Welcome to the Fitness Candor Podcast. Your host, Eric Feigl, will be bringing you the truth about exercise and the fitness industry. You'll hear from fitness professionals, exercise science professors and researchers, fitness industry entrepreneurs and leaders, as well as people who simply love to talk shop. Stick around after the show to learn how you can get your topic in an upcoming episode. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Fitness Candor Podcast. Mr. Justin Grinnell joins us today. Justin is the owner and head trainer at State of Fitness in East Lansing, Michigan. He holds a Bachelor's of Science in Kinesiology. Uh, He takes a preventative approach with his clients, focuses on improving movement, strength, conditioning, and overall athletic performance, and is very uh, injury prevention uh, oriented, I think, which obviously is probably code number one for a trainer, right? Like we could all agree that that, that should be number one on our list. Uh, Justin, welcome to the show, man. I appreciate you taking time to sit sit in your car and do this podcast. Hey, my pleasure, man. I, I love doing this stuff. So thanks for having me on. Uh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got into the industry, because I think you have um, one of the more unique uh, stories that, that I've came, I've come across. Yeah. So, you know, like any, most trainers, you know, they are athletic as a, as a youth and, you know, go through high school and, and do their thing and maybe not quite good enough to, you know, play college sports and whatnot. And so freshman year, need a little guidance. Um, I was still, I was working out quite a bit. I bit the bug by my sophomore, junior year, as far as weightlifting is concerned. So I continued that. And my freshman year, a little bit lost what I want to do with my life. And uh, I got a job at a GNC. And I said, man, I really like this stuff. You know, I really like supplementation. And then I really got bit by the bodybuilding bug. And, wow, this is pretty cool stuff. And then I heard someone mention the, the degree kinesiology. I'm like, oh, I've never heard of that before. And so I immediately changed my major. And then I heard someone say, you know, about being a personal trainer. I'm like, wow, you know, that, that sounds like me too like to help people and I like fitness and you know I'm kind of the person that if I, I grasp onto something I really enjoy you know I, I kind of get really caught up in it and get a little obsessive so from there I started training my brother as kind of a my guinea pig when I was 19 <laughs> uh, for the ma- major league draft he played for western Michigan he was a pitcher right-handed pitcher and uh, so you know it was kind of my, my my first you know take on doing a program I had no idea what I was doing we we're doing bodybuilding workouts but Right. Yeah, he was strong, and it was probably better than, than nothing, right? You know, so, you know, I was like, wow, I'm, I'm really going to go head first into this. So I started my ISSA certification when I was 20, and uh, that's how I started. You know, I, I, I went to my the gym I grew up at. They really, they were selling. The owners were phenomenal, the old owners. They were selling to a gentleman. They had no training. They're actually running the, uh, what's called Apex program, which now dot fit by Neil Spruce. Yeah. And so at, so at 20 years old, they said, all right, you're going to NASM, you're going to Apex, and uh, you can run our training program. And, you know, again, I had no idea what I was doing, but I told them I'd work for pennies, basically. And uh, I started full-time tra- training then, 20, 21 years old, still a student at MSU. And, uh, and from there, I said, I'm going to make this, you know, my, my, my dream to, to be the best trainer in the area. So just, started. So jump forward to, to now and state of fitness. What what is State of Fitness, and um, and how did it come about? Yeah, so, you know, I was training at a place, uh, I was, it was in 2005 I started there, 
Um, it's called the Michigan Athletic Club. Gorgeous club. In the, in the heyday, it was one of the bigger Mecca clubs, uh, especially in the Midwest. Uh, it's almost 300,000 square feet and, you know, got a ton of clients there. There's a lot of people, 10, 12,000 members. And so I came in as kind of the youngster, uh, about 20, 25 trainers on staff and, and just really did pretty well. And, and uh, I was just willing to put the work in and did a lot of continuing education. And so did very well there as a trainer and a great place and got about four or five years into it. And at that facility in particular, I had a gentleman come approach me and he said, Hey, he said, you're kind of at your peak. You're probably not going to really make much more money. You can't work more. They're not going to give you a management position. And you don't want one. He's like, you know, you're not married or have a kid. Why don't you, you know, take over this gym that went out of business? After we met Tom, we, we said, okay, we've got to change some things here. And uh, we broke a lot of hearts doing it, but you know, it was the best decision we ever made. Um, you know, I had seen concepts like a training facility, you know, Mike Boyle strength conditioning results were Ellen and Rachel Cosgrove. And I, I saw that it was kind of the future in 2010. And I'm like, man, we really got to do this, but I didn't quite know how to put it all together. I know how to do it myself, like just me, but I didn't know how to get a team to do it. And so he really helped us with that and getting to understand how everybody needed to be on the same page. You couldn't have a bunch of trainers as individual stables and, and run that type of ship. Uh, so that's what we did. We changed it all. And, and from there, we just, you know, kept up on the latest best practices and, and uh, built State of Fitness what it is today. Yeah, I think it's interesting to, to see the transition from trainer to trainer because some people don't have like most people, I think, don't have straight a shot into the industry as you did. It sounds like you found this kinesiology route almost straight away and jumping into training. Whereas when I look back in a similar background as you, I went into it as I was going to be a, a phys ed teacher. And I was like, nah, I really don't want to do this because I don't like creating um, uh, exercise uh, le lessons, not exercise plans, but exercise lessons and things like that for actual you know classroom material and i was like i don't really enjoy that that much and then i found out about exercise science and then related to fitness is already working out by that time and so it's just interesting like the the different trends that you see through the through the industry and how people get into it, especially people who have up and down uh, careers or maybe transition from uh one type of industry into fitness or you know people like yourself that just go straight through and just kind of seem to find their way along to what you're doing now um, so I, the first time you and I spoke, uh, we talked a lot about how important, uh, building in and giving back to the industry is and giving back to the people that help other people, you know, giving back to the trainers and help giving back to people who help us get to where we are. So what does that look to you? And why is that so important to you? How well the NFBA has given back to me and perform better, uh, has given back to me in my career, you know, all the people I meet on the road. Uh, through all these seminars and workshops I do, you know, like I used to want to charge a per hour rate to talk to someone on the phone. And then I'm like, you know what? Like, like why? You know, I don't yeah. need to charge them. It's, it, you know, not that I can give all my time for free, but I've noticed that the more time I've given for free, mm -hmm. the more things I've gotten back. And so, you know, it, it's pretty cliche because I think it, it really is true. But as I keep giving more, just I seem to get more opportunities in my own career. So, it just it's it's got a lot of wraparounds i would say yeah i think you're i think you're exactly right and i said this before and i feel like i'm kind of beating a dead horse at this point but there's no there's no point in in, in people in the industry just hogging all the information 
and not giving back to other people. If we love this industry so much and we know that it can, that it, how it's changed our lives as professionals and we know that we're impacting other people, why wouldn't we want to share that with other people that we work with and other people in the industry in general? You know, that's how we grow the industry. That's how we get better. Um, that's how we make the, the professional side of the industry even better, right? There's no point. What are we going to do? Take it, take it to the grave with us? Like we found some secret or something? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think that goes to, you know, something that uh, I think it's part of it is, you know, a little bit of ego, a little intimidation factor, which yeah. I think is normal. I think that, and that's okay. I mean, the word ego isn't necessarily a bad word or even intimidation. I'll give you some examples. Like in my area, you know, I have no problem, you know, sharing how I got to where I am now or, you know, some of the systems we have at State of Fitness because in the end, they've got to deliver on that service. Right. You know, so I have a good buddy in town and he does all sports performance. And we do a little bit, but I send people to him. He sends adults to me and it's such a better relationship. Um, you know, we're not, we're buddies. We're not competitors. Um, a couple of people at a, the, my main competitor, Michigan Athletic Club. I mean, I talked to some of these trainers are like, you know, what methods are you using or what seminars you're going? Like, I'll, I'll tell them or they want to come sit down and have a conversation with me. Yeah. That's fantastic. I think it's shown that, again, I'm not intimidated to share the knowledge because they've got to do stuff exactly. with it, right? And, yeah. and I think that we've established ourselves in areas that kind of the go-to place. So, you know, it's been refreshing not to have to worry about that type of stuff. No, that, that totally makes sense. And I completely agree because there are other people in the industry who don't have the mentality who's like, if you want to find out, then you have to pay or you have to, or, or just forget about it. I'm not going to tell you at all because you are a competitor. Whereas I, I'm, I think we're in a similar mindset. Like I, I would much rather be open to somebody and share people's information and tell somebody else um, how I got to where I am or what might be the best practice in some situation. Cause you're right. They can have all the information in the world, but it might sit there for 10 to 15 years and never get used. So yeah, um, sure. nothing, yeah it's nothing to be scared of at all. So um, building into the industry, this kind of leads right into the next thing that, that we had talked about is, you know, how you build into the industry and how you give back. What what are some of the things that, especially in this world of like, you know, everybody's an, an Instagram famous, uh, you know, fitness professional now. If we're trying to make this industry a little more professional, a little more uh, sturdy, I guess, what are some of the tactics that, tactics that you instill into the people that you work with? Yeah, you know, in the beginning of the social media days, you know, I was – I really wanted to be that guy or trainer on the internet. Everybody followed, right? You know, it's right. natural. You, you feel like you're good and, and you feel like you have a lot of things to share. And so, you know, I was like, wow, we're going to get a lot of followers and things like that. And, and, but one thing I was never willing to do is kind of sell myself out. Not that everybody does that. Um, but I just wanted to stay true to who I was. And I quickly realized that, you know, having a ton of followers or being that guy on the internet doesn't always translate into dollars or into, you know, gym members. And so I had to kind of recalibrate my focus and say, you know what, I'm going to be the best Instagram or Facebook knowledge giver in my area. And so that's what I've really taken to it. And I used to get a little bit pissed off at like people doing like beach body boot camp stuff or, you know, selling things online, multi-level marketing things that used to really irritate me. I'd be like, you know, that person has no knowledge, no experience, you know, how dare they? Etc. But now I'm like, you know what? Like they can do what they want. They, at the end of the day, they're just trying to make money for themselves, and they're trying. And they're and I think most people are really trying to help other people. So even their credibility is low from a trainer geek standpoint. 
you know, at the end of the day, they're trying to do what's best for them, what's best for the, the people they're trying to sell their product to or their service to. And it works itself out. Again, another thing that one of my, my mentors and friends, Chris Johnson, said is, you know, that stuff works itself out. Don't be afraid of competition. Don't worry about the person. Try to pretend that they're a really good trainer. The consumer over time will understand that. They'll know who's better. You know, it's about building relationships. So not yep. worrying about that, that stuff anymore. I've written some posts that I've never posted about the industry and how it frustrated me. And I never, I'm so glad I never post them because I look bad at, back and I'm like, you know what? Like, does anybody really care if, if I think that or not? You know, let, let people do what they want to do. As long as they're not harming anybody, then let them pretend like they're a trainer on social media. And, and in the end, everything will work itself out. Yeah, I think uh, I kind of, I, I get frustrated with the same things. I think if you're, have you been in the industry for as long as we have, you start to see, then you start, you start to see those kind of things. And I guess I got, I got into the industry kind of, well, so did you, you got in even before I did before uh, social media was even like even remotely part of it. And so I think to myself like, well, if I'm doing this amount of business and I'm helping this amount of people without that, then why, why even make it a part of like my daily, you know, in the back of my mind, I, I just feel like if I, if I continue to help the people that are right there in front of me, rather than trying to help people that I can't even see, just especially if it's just for the lit, the likes, the clicks, you know, the comments, I feel like that's such a sidetrack. And at this point, I would, I would much, I would much rather give a high five to somebody in person that I just got done training for 30 to 40 minutes and, and not even get a like all week long on, on Instagram. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, I totally get it. I think it was like Todd Durkin one time. He's like, you know what? Don't worry about how many likes you get or comments. Like, you know, you could get one like and you could change that person's mentality for that day and make their day better. So, you know, it's really about the, the quality. It's not necessarily about right. the quantity. So you try to keep that perspective. Now, don't get me wrong. Do I want hundreds of thousands of followers and, you know, do all types of cool stuff? I mean, who does it, right? I mean, people, I think they're sure. lying. It's kind, of, it's kind of like saying you don't want to be in shape or be good looking. I mean, everybody wants to be in shape and good looking. You know, right. but you just don't let it consume you and uh, yeah. you don't let it, you know, dictate what you're doing in your life all the time. Yeah. And it's more, I think, about the quality over quantity. And I'm seeing a lot of people now putting out um, post after post after post that just seems like so, you get to like so regurgitated and it, it becomes like, um, I'd rather see one or two really super good good solid posts or I would rather even put out, make it more personal. I'd rather put out one good post like a month and rather than just rehashing what's already been talked about. But I guess that's, that's my own stuff. I have to work out. <laughs> yes. sure. Yeah. I mean, I got a lot of stuff to share and it does get redundant. So you just, you, yeah. you try to, you, you try to, you know, make it where it's useful information that right. people want, but yet not get too redundant. And, you know, we try to make a good marketing calendar for our, in for our, uh, business, state of fitness, and then yeah. my stuff, Grinnell training. And, you know, we, we try to do a pretty good job at that. We, we definitely yeah. feel like we have a, I almost feel like I have an obligation to post a little bit because I have things to share with people I think are helpful. That's just the way I view it now. It's not necessarily get likes, clicks, and even make money. It's look, I have right. some things that I can share with people and, and why not share it? And, you know, people like it. Fantastic. As long as I'm offending anybody, uh, if they don't, that's okay too. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to jump to a different topic because, uh, I, 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 a few weeks ago, I guess, or over a month ago, I saw you at, um, at the perform better conference. Um, 
speaking more about the nutrition side of things. And so, at, you know, as a trainer, we, we're so focused on um, helping people, their, their physical selves. And I guess depending on where you live, because I know in Ohio, where I am, the the laws are very strict on what we can and cannot do with our with our clients. But um, just for some general tips, some general information for the people listening, what are some general things that you work on with clients uh, that you've seen maybe get the most positive results? Yeah, so kind of first hit on the, the first thing you said, you know, what can a trainer do? as far as what can they recommend and and i think it you know really depends on the trainer and their their comfort level um you know for example i've gotten to a point in my career where i feel really comfortable you know discussing you know lifestyle nutrition things you know not only with my clients but if and i and i tell my clients this or our members like look hey you know if you're a little bit skeptical on what i'm telling you to do or not telling you to do but you know encouraging you to do or, or giving advice like please talk to your physician and if they have a question you know, they can talk to me too. You know, I, I'm my, what I say is not God and it doesn't just have to be the, the do all end all be all, but I do feel very comfortable and very confident with the information I'm giving you that if I was to discuss it with a medical professional, I feel I, I could back up, you know, what I, what I'm saying as far as with anecdotal and also scientific evidence. And so, you know, I feel that as I've gained that and the same thing with exercise too, like, Hey, you know, I can talk to your PT. I can talk to your ortho. Like, you know, it's a team effort. You know, I'm not, I don't have an ego. And if they think it's bad and you don't think it's bad, then let's not do that. So I think that the scope of practice thing, I think is a little bit overdone. Um, I don't know the laws in Ohio, um, but from my understanding is that unless you say something of, a pers- I'm going to prescribe you fish oil because that reduces cholesterol and that's going to reduce your cholesterol. I can't say that. What I can say is I feel we need omega-3 fatty acids, in particular EPA, DHA. And that's something that's very important for, you know, studies have alluded to and shown, brain health, eyesight, et cetera, et cetera. We know omega-3s are essential fatty acids. I feel like fish oil, here's these studies, et cetera, et cetera. I really recommend this. Um, but if you don't feel comfortable with it, talk to your physician. And so, you know, from there, you kind of CYA. Like, let me give you another example. I know I'm kind of going a little bit off, not off topic, but, I wrote, right. a, my, I wrote my Grinnell Doctrine. It was a nutrition book, I think, in 2013, 2014. And I had a lot of stuff about intermittent fasting. It was real big intermittent fasting. I did a lot of studies cited about, you know, autophagy and, and cellular reproduction and you know, how it reduces ghrelin, hunger hormone, et cetera. And I, and I wrote an article for a local magazine I write for every month. And I had a couple of dietitians say, hey, this is bad advice, things like that. And so I said, hey, you know, like, why don't we get on a call and talk about it? Like, I'll give you the reason why. And I think the trainers would be surprised that if you – come with a soft attitude towards a physician or a dietitian on this stuff and say, Hey, let's talk about it. Like, let's have a conversation. Here's why I did it. They're very receptive. They start to say, wow, okay, I get what you're saying. You know, I, that's your opinion. And I, I see where you have some science to back it up and, and et cetera. And, and they literally will, will soften and say, okay, I get where you're coming from. No problems. Um, so I think that that's the problem with, you know, medical professionals and trainers is they're not willing to meet have a discussion or talk on the phone or have an email back and right. forth about, Hey, totally understand. And I think that's where the big disconnect is. And, and that's where I, I feel like I've had success with those people in the medical industry and dietitians and with my clients, because it's creating a conversation. So what I'm looking at a client to get to your question, that was original is the more superfoods I can get in someone's nutrition program or their diet, whatever you want to call it, 
okay. the better they'll be. So I try to give people things to consume more than take away and right. give them the reason why. Why am I having people eat, uh, you put cacao powder in their smoothie or their oatmeal? Well, it's the second most magnesium dense food and very mineral dense food and it tastes good. You know, so we know people aren't getting enough minerals in the diet. And I know you're probably not after we go through a food log and we talk for an hour. Those are the type of conversations I'm going to have. What can I add? So there's something about the cell. You know, you have your cell and it's got mitochondria and they're trying to feed that powerhouse of the cell, right? And if we don't have a soft permeable cell, we can't penetrate that. So how do we do that? Well, sleep and water and all that stuff. But what I think of cellular health, that's going to be long-term fat loss is the omega-3s penetrate the cell and feed the cell, feed the mitochondria. The water hydrates the cell and chlorophyll from green foods like spirulina, corella, spinach, whatever, they clean the cell like bristles, like on a brush. And so what I want people to first do is get enough omega-3 fats, fish oil or something else, get some good green food, whether it's a green food powder, a spirulina, corella, a wheatgrass, and then they need to drink water. You know, so those, that's where I start. We need to get those three things in check first before we go on diet plans or do keto or intermittent fast or whatever it is. Once we can get that stuff established right there, then we can start to mess around with reducing carbohydrates or, you know, intermittent fasting or whatever method we find is going to work with that individual. Right. Does that make sense? 100% makes sense. So that's kind of the approach. One thing I do too that I didn't mention is I definitely have people show me their blood work. And that's another thing when I go on the road and talk about it, like, wow, like, you know, why are you doing that? You're like, is that against your scope? I'm like, well, no, it's not. I'm not like telling them that they're going to die of kidney failure because their GFR levels 20, which they, you will be in dialysis if it's at 20. We just look at the gaps and say, did your doctor test your C-reactive proteins? That's inflammation marker. They don't test that because there's no pill to reduce inflammation. You know, the inflammation we're talking about. So, you know, we start the conversation. So I say, hey, look, get these numbers from your doctor. They ask you why. Tell them that I asked you to because we want to see if we need to get some stuff out of your diet or maybe you're overtraining. And yeah. if they have a question, have them give me a call. Here's my number. You know, so that's the way we look at the blood work is where's some gaps. If I get a guy and his testosterone is 300, there's a problem. You know, what's right. the problem? Well, it could be sleep. Maybe they don't strength train. Maybe they're really overweight. Maybe they're not getting enough fatty acids. You know, we don't know, but that gets the conversation started. And yep. if I don't have some of that data, how can I make suggestions? Well, I don't say recommendations. I say, here's a suggestion for you, for your nutrition protocol. Yeah, and I would even piggyback that because there's a, if we don't have baseline measurements to work from, it doesn't matter how much we can recommend or suggest. Uh, if we don't have a baseline to, to work from, then it, it's we're shooting into into the dark. But um, another thing to, to piggyback on that is, and I, I like where you went with uh, you don't take anything away because just today I, I had a, a client return. I haven't seen him in a couple of years, um, and he starts talking about his diet and his nutrition after the appointment, and and I'm looking at him like, well, okay, I, I do want to know more about this. So you know, I, I take a very I, I want to see this, this to me is like a, it's almost like a, a level of will, like how, how far are they willing to go to change? And I, I asked them like, can you, can you keep a three to five day food log? And yeah, that's old school. Some people may argue against it. Some people may say, well, they're going to lie. They're going to cheat. Fine. That's not what I'm worried about. What I'm, what I'm concerned about is are they putting in, can they give me that amount of effort? 
three, three to five days food log. They come back to me and I know right away it's going to be BS. Fine. And I know they're going to say, well, I need to take this out. I need to cut this out. I, you know, I need to eat a bigger breakfast or I need to whatever, whatever they, they come to the table with. I never try to take anything away from them. I don't want to say, well, of course you need to stop drinking so often. Of course you need to stop eating refined carbohydrates, you know, uh, three three bowls of ice cream is a little too much. Those kind of things. Everybody already knows that, and that's not why they're coming to us. They they don't come to us because to to for us to tell them what they already know. What I like to tell them, and I give them little like you said, the fill in the gaps. Well, it looks like you know we're missing some nutrient dense foods here. Where can we put in nutrient dense foods? I don't want you to change your entire lunch, change your entire dinner. Don't take anything out. Let's add this nutrient rich food. Or the or you know X Y Z whatever that is to to the plate and see where we can go from there. Can we do that? Can you hit that mark three days a week? Yeah, that sounds great. It takes stress off of them and it puts a little more trust, a little more buy-in to you as as a uh, professional. And I think that goes a long way. Yeah, I think you know that's a great mentality to have because there's so many diet plans given out and, and which sometimes right. can work, right? In my sure. experience, like diet plans that work, I used to do a lot in the fitness and figure bodybuilding world. Uh, when I was competing and whatnot, and those people could follow it because when yeah, you sign yeah, yeah. up, when you sign up to get on stage half naked, almost naked, you know you're gonna follow a diet. Other than that, no one does. So I, I love that approach too. What you're doing, even like you said, even if it's even if they're not going to give you the real truth in the food log, that's okay. You're you're looking at effort, and at least gives you a snapshot yeah. of what's going going on. And uh, you know it, it's something that I, I feel has been you know, for me, been pretty successful, that method. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and it's, and it's one of the hardest things to change because as soon as they step into the gym, we know exactly, we know they're going to be doing the right things from the, when they're with us. It's just, you know, of course on the outside of the gym is where we have very little control, but, um, Justin, I, I appreciate you jumping on today. We'll, uh, we'll wrap this up and where can people find out more about you if they have any more questions, comments, concerns? Yeah, so people can uh, contact me anytime. Uh, our, our website for my facility is mystateoffitness.com. Okay. Um, they, can, they can check me on Instagram or Facebook at Grinnell Training. Okay. Um, you can email me at justin at mystateoffitness.com. So those are probably the best ways to get a hold of us, uh, get a hold of me. Uh, if you have questions, you know, I answer all my messages. And so uh, shoot away. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Justin. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. My pleasure, Eric. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to suggest a topic or be a part of the show, get in touch with Eric on any social media platform at Eric Feigl or email fcp at ericfeigl.com.